Good morning, everyone. Hope you're all doing well this morning. Full transparency, I have been on this platform over this past year. I've had the opportunity to share or teach or preach from this platform over 40 different times. And it's amazing that when you step into something new and you do something that, that God has called you to step into, how incredibly nervous you can be, because I'm incredibly nervous right now. There's a lot of you out there. I'm used to, I'm used to a section of junior hires and senior hires filling up this middle area, and you, there's a whole lot more of you staring at me right now. So, but I'm excited about what God has put on my heart, and I, and I pray that I'm nothing more than a, than a vessel for what he wants to share this morning. <laughs> there's so many times when we just want to hear from God. We just want to know that he's speaking through us. He's using us, that we're where he's called us to be. And that's my hope, my prayer that this morning is that God speaks through me and that my words are his words. So this morning, I have a question to start off with. How many of you still have your Christmas decorations up? Who still got their Christmas? A lot of us. A lot of us still have our Christmas decorations up. When decorating for Christmas at our house, it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's a team sport, uh, something that we do as a family. Our sons, Peyton and Carson and I, we get the Christmas decorations out of the closet and we bring them upstairs. And then we turn it over to the other team. We turn it over to my wife and my daughter, Layla, and they decorate the house and they make it look amazing because Lord knows that I wouldn't do a very good job at that. So that's why it's a team sport. And we, we let them do that. And this morning we're going to talk about how joy isn't seasonal. Amen. Joy isn't seasonal. Christmas is a season, but joy came to the world not just for a holiday, but for a lifetime. So good. The joy of Jesus coming to this earth to become a man should bring us joy, but it shouldn't be packed up and put away like the decorations that we use to mark this season and this time of year. So Don't put Jesus and the joy of who he is in our lives away until next year. During our Christmas Eve services, both Pastor Topper and Pastor Becca talked about what Jesus and joy mean in our lives, but also how we're supposed to share that with others, we're supposed to give it away. Isn't it amazing that before Christmas, we feel one way, we, we, we feel we're all excited about the holidays, and then after Christmas, we feel different. Everyone is nice before Christmas. We bake more. We eat more. We eat a lot more sometimes. We buy more. We send out Christmas cards. We have Christmas parties. We find plenty of activities for joy. The question is, why doesn't it last? I mean, we put enough effort in. We spend enough money, right? We would think that it would last. On December 24th, Silent Night brings out tears and, and warmth fills our souls and, and it's just an, it's an amazing time and then by December 26th we're like, oh please turn that Christmas music off. I'm done. <laughs> the tree looked great but now it goes down. And we, Jesus gets put in a box until next year. Sometimes it seems like nothing changes faster. It was just Christmas a couple days ago and now all of Christmas at any store you go to, it's all on sale because it's done. It's over. I think that in our lives, 
I'm a youth pastor. I like illustrations. If you don't like illustrations, I'm not going to apologize. So there. There's times in our life where we try and put Jesus. We try and put joy. We try and put things in a box. Might be a box that looks like this. Your box might be a different shape. There was many times in my life where I put Jesus, I put my calling, I put what he was asking me to do, I put it in a box. We serve a God who's omnipresent. What does that mean? He's everywhere. He fills this entire space. The question I had to ask myself is why in the world would I try and put God in a box this big when he wants to be everywhere around me? When he wants to be in and through and about everything that I'm doing in my life? But yet for so long in my life, I chose to keep him in a box, and not only keep him in a box, but kind of put him in the closet up on the shelf and shut the light off and close the door and walked away. Because I didn't know, I didn't understand. More importantly, I didn't have the faith to step into everything that he had for me. We'll come back to the box a little bit later. We should never put Jesus in a box. We should never put joy in a box. They have no value to us when they're in a box and put away because that's not what they were intended for. Jesus and joy were meant for us to share. They're meant for us, but they're also meant for us to share with others, to give away. If we're going to keep this joy all year round, we need to move past Christmas to the cross. Christmas brings the joy, and it truly is a time to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, And the cross seals the joy. It would be hard to keep the joy of Christmas all year long, but you can keep the joy of the cross. When you know Jesus is more than just holiday Jesus, more than just manger Jesus, when you really know him as savior Jesus, you can hold on to your joy. You can hold on to the joy of your salvation all year long. See, he brings joy in June, July, and August as well. Just, I want to throw that out there in case some of us didn't realize that. It's not just, joy isn't just for December. It's not just for a season. It's for all year round. There's things that try and steal our joy. Fear, doubt, worry, sickness, anxiety, depression. And the difficult thing is, all of those things are life. But we're called to rise above it. In James 1, verses 2 and 3, it says, Consider it pure joy... My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith that the scripture is talking about is is a testing that proves that it's worth the price, that it's worthy of the price that we're having to pay. Another word for perseverance is endurance. Is there joy in the faith that you and I have? And does it cause us to persevere through all kinds of situations that life brings and become more of who God is calling us to be? We have to persevere. James says that we need to consider it pure joy when we face difficult things in our lives. How often do we do that? How often have I done that? That means that, when, that we already need to have the joy in our lives before we get to them, not because of them. Our joy doesn't change because of them. Pure joy, or nothing but joy, or supreme joy. He's referring to a long-term state of being, not a feeling of happiness. 
or momentary pleasure. Rejoice always. Philippians 4.4 says this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Simple. This verse says just that, and I'm going to repeat it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The twice-repeated command to rejoice is a command to simply be joyful. The word, the word always can be translated at all times. Rejoice during Christmas times, at all, all times, be joyful. Rejoice after Christmas time, at all times, be joyful. Rejoice when the weather is cold and when it gets dark at 4 p.m., at all times, rejoice. <laughs> rejoice when there's a difficult relationship in our lives, at all times, be joyful. Rejoice when I'm tired, at all times, be joyful. Rejoice when I have to go back to work or to school, at all times, be joyful. Rejoice at times when we're suffering. At all times, be joyful. The rejoicing that we're talking about here is rejoicing in the Lord. And it's not to be dictated by our circumstances around us, by the things that are going on in our life. Because it's something that already exists in our life. It's, it's something that's deep inside of us. And it's not from a momentary momentary pleasure, momentary happiness. Paul lived this out when he rejoiced in prison. In Acts 16, recounts that Paul and his companion Silas, they were imprisoned in Philippi. And they had been severely beaten. Their, their clothes were actually taken off their backs so that the beating was more severe. And then when they were thrown into prison, they had their feet put in stocks. And this was considered extreme even by Roman standards. And Clearly, suffering like this, most of us, probably none of us have, have experienced. And nevertheless, Paul and Silas exuded joy as even at midnight they were praying and singing hymns to God. Because of their prayers and singing, God sent a violent earthquake that shook the foundations of the prison. The doors of the prison cells flew open and the chains that had bound them fell off. If the story stopped right there, you'd assume that the earthquake was how they got out of prison. The earthquake wasn't how they got out of prison. There was another point to the earthquake. You see, the earthquake woke up the jailer. When the jailer got up, he realized that all the doors were open and he assumed that all of the prisoners had escaped. And he feared for his life. He was actually going to take his own life because he was afraid that his bosses were going to kill him. Paul and Silas said, whoa, whoa, hey, we're all here. Stop. And the earthquake provided an opportunity for them to share the joy through a very difficult and painful situation. And it says in God's word that the jailer and his entire family were brought into relationship with God. The earthquake wasn't what set Paul and Silas free. The earthquake was a tool that God used to get the jailer's attention and bring him into relationship to give Paul and Silas an opportunity to share their joy. It wasn't until the next day that the, the, the officials, the magistrates, when they realized that they had made a mistake in, in jailing Paul and Silas, that they were set free. That's how they were let go. As I was preparing last night, and I believe it again this morning, there's people in this room 
You're facing hard and difficult situations, circumstances that are out of your control. And just like Paul and Silas, you need to be praying. You need to be singing. You need to be praising God. Not because you're denying the situation or the circumstance in your life, but because you're believing that God is going to bring the earthquake that's needed to shake the foundation of the circumstance in your life so that God can bring about the change and get the glory that he needs and desires through that situation. Keep praying. Keep praising. Keep worshiping. Showing joy. How do we show joy in the world today? How do we show it all year round? What's the practical application of joy? We show joy when we don't grieve like others grieve. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, it says that while we as Christians grieve when we lose someone that's close to us and that we love, we do not grieve like the rest of the world. We don't do it like the rest of the world does because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Even in our grief, we have hope and also joy. Paul is writing to the Thessalonians here in that scripture and in that book, and he's reassuring them that they can trust in the hope and the joy that they have. Yeah. Our outlook is different than the world because our relationship with the creator of the world and the certainty of his promise for us to spend eternity with him. Yeah. This past week, actually, on December 12, 2014, my grandmother passed away so just over five years ago now. And at our empty chair service this last week, I was flooded with a lot of memories and things that I just hadn't thought about in a while. And one thing that I was reminded of is that while she is made whole and complete and is, and is in heaven worshiping Jesus, any pain or grief that I have is outweighed by the hope of my salvation and knowing that I will see her again and I will spend eternity worshiping with her and worshiping our heavenly father. When I share that hope, when I share, when I give that away, when I give away that joy, when I say, you know what, there is hope. There is something that, that's far beyond whatever I can give you. That's, that's when I can encourage others. That's when I can speak out in faith. That's when I can step out and say, you know what, there isn't anything that I can do, but God can. So good. He has a promise that's far beyond anything that we could ever give. Another way to show people around us that joy is different, sorry, another way to show people around us is to show that joy is different than happiness. The joy that we demonstrate as Christians can be distinguished from happiness. As we take a look at this, it helps to understand that joy and happiness are two very different things. Happiness in the face of difficult problems and circumstances is next to impossible, but joy is not. In the English language, we can distinguish joy from the word happiness by considering the old English roots of the word happiness. Hap means chance or luck. Happiness, like happenstance, depends on one's circumstances, whereas joy does not. Joy doesn't just happen to us. It's a choice that we make. Joy is the choice to be positive, to praise God in every situation, knowing that he is in control. You see, we can be happy when we get a promotion or a raise, when we see a beautiful sunset. Honey, that was for you. My wife loves sunsets. When we lose 10 pounds, a lot of us are probably would be very happy with that, especially at this time of year. 
or maybe when we get to spend time with a friend. But joy, on the other hand, can be chosen even when happiness is impossible. For instance, when we face loneliness, when we face illness, death, unemployment, or maybe even persecution. It's a choice that we make. It's something deep inside of us. I want to share two stories from my life that illustrate the difference between happiness and joy. The first story is about happiness. Um, My wife and I have had the opportunity to serve in youth ministry in various capacities for many years since before we were married. And when Trish and I were involved in a ministry at another church, we went to this, what was called a snow camp. It was a winter retreat uh, that we took the students to in February over a weekend. And there was a speaker And he was talking about how God had worked on him to change his attitude and his temper and how God, during that time, that how he just constantly felt like he was being tested. It was like every time he went out driving, somebody was out there to cut him off or frustrate him. And he's like, God, what are you doing? I thought you were working in me. And he was like, it was constant, just every single time, you know, and and someone would cut him off and, and, and he would, he would try and stay composed and do the right thing, but occasionally he would mess up and he would honk his horn or he would throw up his arms, to which invariably the other driver would respond by flipping him half of the peace sign, (laughs) things like that. And so my wife and I weren't sitting in the same row and a moment after he shared that, my wife leaned forward and looked down the row at me and mouthed, what's half the peace sign? Some of you may need an explanation of that. You can, somebody else can explain it for you. But that's, it's one of the things in my life that I call Trisha-isms. I have a list of them. They're things that my wife has done or said over the years that make me laugh. They bring me happiness, but it's momentary, okay? Funny story, but it's momentary. Story from my life, from our life, that illustrates joy is when our boys were younger. Our oldest son, Peyton, told us that he wanted a sister. Not sure what to do with that. <laughs> At first it was an occasional request, but over time it became more and more persistent. He, he just he started asking on a much more regular basis to the point where we told him that he was going to have to ask God because there wasn't any way that dad and mom could give that to him. So he began to pray and ask God about it. At bedtime and at other times when he would pray. After a while the boys got older, and we were at the place of being done with diapers and strollers. And we decided to sell, uh, sell all, the, all of the baby stuff. We had a garage sale, so we sold, we sold the high chair. We sold the pack and play. We sold the stroller. We sold everything. About a month later, my wife sat me down. <laughs> and she said, I think, to which I quickly interrupted her and said, you have to be kidding me. And she said, no. And of course, she was pregnant. Careful, lesson learned there. Parents, be careful what you tell your kids to pray for. (laughs) Anyways, moving on. Um, So a few months later, uh, we were going to the ultrasound to to find out if we were having a boy or a girl. Um, We actually had the boys with us. There was a a toy box in the corner of the the room and the ultrasound tech while, while she was getting Trish ready and getting everything ready to go. Uh, she said to the boys, hey, guys, what, what do you think your mommy's going to have, a boy or a girl? Peyton very matter-of-factly stood up, turned around, looked her in the eye, and, she said, and he said, 
my mom is going to have my baby sister. Turned around, went back to playing. It was just, I mean, no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Very clear. A few minutes later, we found out that we were going to have a little girl. Amen. She's sitting in the front row. Obviously, I wouldn't have known this just over 11 years ago. Layla turned 11 on December 19th. Layla's name actually means cause for joy. And her life brought new joy into our family. Before I get any more emotional, I'll move on. The third way that we can show joy to the world is by giving and serving. 2 Corinthians 8.2 says this, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty Welled up in rich generosity. Yeah. I had to read that about four times because it didn't make sense to me. How in the world, severe trial, overflowing joy, extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity? In this verse, Paul is writing about the Macedonian churches. He goes on to explain in verse 3 that their joy caused them to give as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. There's times, I think, in our lives when... when we miss out on the joy of giving simply because we don't think we have enough to give. When the joy in giving is giving, period. Yeah. It's not giving with a dollar amount attached to it. So we just need to give. We need to do what God is asking us to do. We can also do the same thing in giving of our time. We make excuses. We choose not to prioritize in serving and doing the things that God is calling, calling us to. We have the opportunity to experience joy and become a part of a community and something that is bigger than ourselves when we make the choice to serve. This is a shameless but heartfelt plug to extend an invitation to those of you who haven't taken the opportunity or haven't had the opportunity to serve on one of our life teams or become involved in one of the life groups that we have here at the Egan campus. Being a part being a part of what God is doing can help you find the purpose, can help you find the change, can help you find what's next for your life. Getting involved in a life group is part of Trish and my story of serving, of becoming involved. And that's how it got started. And we talk about doing things. We talk about becoming more involved in, and we came to, a, when we got involved in a life group, we, we, sorry, back up. When we came to River Valley, Trisha and I weren't at a great place in our marriage. There's a lot of things that weren't going well for us. We came to River Valley. God did an amazing work, did, did miracle after miracle in our lives, and, and we were encouraged to get into, involved in a life group. That's not really entirely true. It was a, we were attending the Apple Valley campus at the time. It was a Saturday night service. Went to service. Service was great. Came out, saw a friend of ours that we had known for years, knew he was a life group leader, tried to avoid him like the plague. Didn't want anything to do with life groups. He came up to me very excited after that Saturday evening service and said, you know what, Neil? My wife and I are starting a life group. And I'm like, that's great for you. I'm super excited for you. You know what? He loved me enough to say this. And you know what, Neil? You and your wife are coming. Took me along on the ride. Didn't necessarily want to be there, but it was the start of a journey. 
Out of that, we started to share our testimony. We started to share about the things that God had done in our lives. We began encouraging other people. Because of the people that we became connected to, we started serving on different life teams. Trish started serving in Go Kids. I started serving on security. Eventually, we became marriage mentors. And after that, youth leaders. We came to a place where we were full of purpose and passion because we were where God wanted us to be and we were doing the things that, just simply doing the things that he asked us to do. There's not anything special about us, not anything special about our story. We were just trying to be obedient. Opportunity came along for us to become interns. We did the same thing when we were interns. We just tried to serve and do the things that God was asking us to do. But because of that, God opened the door and both of us now work for River Valley. I have the opportunity to serve here at the Egan campus. My wife is the Kingdom Builders Coordinator at, at the central office. Let me share this. Not all of us in this room may be called to full-time ministry for an occupation, but we are all called to serving others and sharing Jesus and the joy that a personal relationship with his, him brings with everyone that we meet. Every single one of us, at your school, at your job, in your home, wherever it is, all of us are called to share and to serve. In 1 John 1, 3 through 4, it says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Joy brings unity and community. John was writing to a community of believers. He cared about them and he loved them and he knew that a healthy community was a foundation for joy. Be a part of what God's doing. If you're visiting with us today, find a church. If it's not here, find a church. Get plugged in. If this is your home church, find a life group. Find a place to serve. There's three things I want to give you if you're not feeling like you're a part of, part of community you're not sure what's next for you. First of all, be in God's word and spend time with him. If you're not participated in doing soap, I want to strongly encourage you to get in God's word and see what he has for you. I'm so excited that we're starting off the new year by doing a soap sprint and reading through the New Testament in the, in the month of January. Don't miss out on being a part of that. Two, be involved in a community of believers. Like I said, here at the Egan campus, you can serve on a life team. You can also join Alpha, Freedom, Sisterhood, any of the men's life groups that are going on here. There's so many different areas to get involved and get plugged in. Three, look for opportunities to share Jesus and joy with others. Don't allow yourself to be too busy, distracted, or preoccupied to miss an opportunity to share what, God, what Jesus has done in your life and the joy that you have found in him. We live in a world that needs Jesus and the joy that he has to offer them. There's so many people around us that will never know or experience him if we don't take the step of faith to share. Topper shared during our Christmas Eve service something that stuck with me. Sharing joy leads to more joy. If you're lacking joy in your life, I'll ask you this question. When's the last time you shared joy with someone else? And I'm pointing the finger at me too, guys. The great thing about standing up here or sharing with you, whether it's a small group or in a setting like this, is simply this. I got to walk the walk and talk the talk too. This, this was a lot of soul searching here in this message. 
Because joy is something that's deep, something that's deep within us. The song Amazing Grace was written by Englishman John Newton in the, lat, in the late 1700s. It's estimated that this song is performed over 10 million times every year and is arguably one of the most recognizable songs in the English language. The lyrics are powerful and we often sing the song and reflect on the impact that they have on our own lives. But if we take a closer look at John's Newton life, John Newton's life, you'll find out that he did not have a pain-free life and that it wasn't served to him with privilege or wealth. His life was marred by loss, mistakes, and pain. However, he came to the place in his life where he clearly... so clearly understood the goodness of God. and the love that the Father has for us. He sent his son, Jesus, to this earth to become our savior and allow us to experience joy through salvation and relationship with him. In a moment, I'm going to give a salvation call and if you're in this room and God's been stirring something in your heart, I believe that he's been working on you already. But I want to read the words to this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. The Lord hath promised good to me, his word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be, as long as life endures. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I said I'd come back to the box. Finding joy in my life was taking Jesus out of the box, was taking that joy out of the box and realizing that it wasn't just for me, but that it was for everyone that God called me to, everyone that I encountered. And I had to open the box. And I had to share. I had to open the box and and say, you know what, God, I'm available. Use me. God, I'm willing to go wherever you want me to go. Willing to do whatever you want me to do. And again, this isn't about about whether or not you're called to full-time ministry. This is about being where God has called you to be. Each and every single person in this room, God has a calling and a plan and a purpose for your life. Don't miss it. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. That's you today. If God's been stirring something in your heart and in your spirit, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never taken the opportunity to surrender to him. Maybe today there's, there's part of you. Maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe, maybe there's part of you that you've held back from God. But because of that, there's there's a lacking of joy in your life. If you fit into any one of those areas or any one of those things, in a moment I'm going to count to three and I simply want you to raise your hand and surrender all to Jesus and accept a full relationship with him and step into the joy and the purpose that he has for your life. 
So as I count to three, simply slip up a hand. One, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man or woman or person comes to the Father except through me. Two, his word also says that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, he will save me from my sins. He's the one who's going to do it. Three, if that's you in this room today, simply slip up a hand. I see that hand in the back. I see these hands down front. I see the hand in the back over there. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? I see this other hand in the front down here. Is there anyone else? That's you today. You haven't surrendered fully. Maybe you've never given your life to him. Or maybe there's something you've held back and you don't know, you haven't experienced his joy to the fullest extent. I'm gonna give another, another moment here. Is there anyone else in this room that you'd simply, I see that hand. Thank you for responding. Is there anyone else? I see those hands down front. Thank you. I see that hand in the back. Thank you for responding. We talked, I talked about community. I talked about being in a, a body of believers. And right now I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this prayer after me because we are, we're going to agree in prayer that God is going to do this and that no one is going to pray this prayer alone. So would you p- please repeat after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for having a plan for my life. I accept the joy of a relationship with you and I want to share it with others. I love you, Father. Amen. Can we stand together and can you give a round of applause for all those people who responded? This is why we do what we do. This isn't about me. This isn't about even this church, about River Valley. This is about giving people an opportunity to take a step closer to Jesus. And that's what people are doing all over this room this morning. And I want to encourage you, as the, as the, as the lights go down, as, as, as the season transitions, don't transition out of joy. Stay in joy. Continue to walk in joy in January and February and March and April and May and all throughout the year. I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down front if they would. We have prayer teams so that if there's anything going on in your life, come down, take a moment, take a few minutes after this service and ask for prayer. They would love to pray for you. If there's something in your life you're not comfortable sharing with, simply walk up to them and say, I need prayer. They'll pray for you, no questions asked. Because God knows. And God's going to answer and we believe that. If you raised your hand this morning, tell someone about the decision that you made. And on your way out, there's now what books and there's Bibles. We want to, our ushers will have those. They'll hand them out to you. All you have to do is simply grab one. You don't have to say anything. You're not committing to anything. We want to give you a resource to get into God's word. Take that. It's free. It's a new year. We're going to be going into the new year in just a couple days here. I don't want to say happy new year to each, each and every person in this room. But let's go with God. Let's go with joy. Let's continue to take a step closer to Jesus and see what he has for each and every one of us in 2020. Love you all. God bless.